Welcome to the Orange Crest Community Church Podcast. Our hope is that this weekly podcast provides both encouragement and challenge as you move forward in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Morning. As you heard from Daniel, we're going to be starting a new series of messages called Lives and Letters next week, where we're going to be looking at the letters of the New Testament, really asking some questions about how do we understand the letters, uh, and, and how do we uh, interpret them, and then how do we apply them to our lives? How do we bridge the gap from their world to ours? And so I'm excited about that series, been working on it since the fall, and so I hope you'll join us next week for Donut Day as well as we, as we begin that. Uh, before we jump in, though, this morning, th- this morning's message should re- really set us up for next week as well. And so, uh, quick update, though, on last week's Commitment Sunday. Uh, we have been in what's called Advanced Horizontal. It's a 24-month capital campaign. Last Sunday was our Commitment Sunday, and we'll update you next week about the number of pledges or the amount of pledges that have come in. But we had two major goals for Advanced Horizontal we've been praying for. One is we had the goal of raising $750,000 over the next 24 months for the, for the first phase of developing our future home. And then second, we've been, we've been praying for 200 families to engage with us in Advanced Horizontal, or 200 individuals or family units uh, in this effort. And so we're well on our way. It's really exciting. And God, once again... Uh, through through participation, we've got 129 uh, individual units engaged in Advanced Horizontal. Either gave a gift last Sunday or turned in a pledge card last Sunday. And so that's like 64% of the number of families or individuals we're praying for. And so we, we do know others are considering this and praying through this. So this uh, you know two-week period really is, we see it as a commitment phase. And we've just come up off of a, a period of raising money for a down payment. Now this is for the, the next phase. And so, uh, but we know some are still processing and praying. Uh, and so if you're in that boat, it's not too late to get involved. Others, you might even just been here for the first time today and you'd like to learn more about it. There's a table at the back and it says advance uh, horizontal and you can pick up a, a brochure on it if you're wanting to learn more about what our church is involved in and planning for the future. Uh, next week, though, we'll, we'll announce, total up all the pledges and celebrate what God has done. Been really exciting so far. Uh, three ways to participate. One would be there's a pledge card actually tucked into one of those envelopes that you see in your program. And you can, you can fill out a pledge card. You can drop it in the offering even this morning. Or if you're wanting to pray through that further and process it, you can mail it in through that envelope. And then the third way is we have an online opportunity to pledge uh, online. And so there's a special page called Advance on our Orange Crest uh, Community Church website. So let's pray, and then we'll, we'll jump into this morning's message. Father, thank you for bringing us here this morning. We pray that you would uh, quiet and settle down our, our, uh, our thoughts and our hearts and things that would distract us from hearing from you. Some of the things, God, that are going on uh, in our minds and hearts, uh, it's because they matter. People matter to us. There's challenges we're facing. There's... Um, people walking through difficult times. And so, Father, we bring all that, we bring our lives to you right now. We ask you to speak to us. We know that your word is, is uh, powerful. It's, it brings the truth. We ask your Holy Spirit to really uh, use it to connect dots in our lives and our minds, help us to see themes and key ideas, uh, not just so that we could say, oh, that's neat, but really, really so we can say, wow, that's for me. That's for us. That's what you're doing here and now. So, Lord, help us to make connections, Lord, that would lead to growth and change 
and progress towards what you want done in this world. So we ask you for your help and protection from all distractions in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we've compared this past six months at OCC to sort of like a sprint. We've been sprinting for a short period of time. And if you've ever sprinted before uh, in a race, you know you can't do that for very long. You run out of steam when you try to sprint. You can go for a short distance, maybe, uh, I don't know, 100-yard dash. Is that, isn't that a sprint? I've never done it, but, you know, maybe you can go, you know, a distance. And at a certain point, you've got to find a normal pace to run at. And, and, and so if you feel like, oh, we've been sprinting as a church, hang, thank you for hanging with us on this journey. It has felt like a sprint. But even beyond the building, there's, there's really more on the horizon. Uh, we're soon launching out a church to uh, Santa Clarita. So a team of 18 people are going to be moving in June to help start a new church and uh, to uproot their lives and, and get a new work started. And we've been praying for that, planning for that. We've raised up people for this purpose, and we're really excited to, to see what God's going to do. Doing our part to help them get, get launched out and then really established is a high priority for us as a church. This is our church plant, and it's an opportunity for us. Uh, late in May, on the 31st, we're actually going to do an ordination service for the pastor of that church. So Bruce Wood, he's been on staff here for 10 years full time. Uh, he's leading the charge. He'll be the senior pastor of that new church. We're going to ordain him uh, May 31st in both of our services. Then on June the 14th, we're planning a send-off and commissioning celebration in the evening on that Sunday, June the 14th. So you might want to mark those down in case you want to, if you're planning a vacation and, and you're thinking, I don't want to miss those, then those are key dates to get down. But after we launch this new church, the dust is going to settle and, and we'll need to find a new normal again. I mean, we've been through a pretty, we'll have been through a pretty exciting one-year period at that point. Building, baby, you know, church plant. So that's a lot for a church to take on. And we're going to see some holes. We're going to, even right now, we're trying to identify and prepare for the holes that will exist when these people move and help launch a new church. There'll be holes from where they, from where they left. There's relationships that'll, there's networks of people that, that are you know, tied together, and you don't really, you don't see it all until people move on. And so we're going to be asking a pretty similar question as we are now that we've even bought a property. And the question is, what's, what's the new normal? What does it look like for us to run at a normal pace? What is, the, what is the normal rhythm? And this is really a natural question after any major moment, whether it's graduation. Some of you are coming upon a graduation, and you're going to ask that question. What do I do now? What's the new normal? Loss. Some of you have lost loved ones, or you're or you're preparing for that, and you see that coming, and you're you're going to be asking this question, or retirement, or maybe you're an empty nester. When the kids have launched, and and it's just you're trying to find what is what is normal now supposed to look like, or maybe you're new to marriage, or maybe you walked through a divorce, or maybe you've moved, or you changed your jobs. All of these things, we, we wrestle through this question: what's what is normal look like now and, and something constant that's really helpful is reminding ourselves of the rhythms that are attached to our faith to our spiritual journey what are those rhythms that we should just have and practice continually the disciples actually had one of these moments it was shortly after the resurrection the pin which is the pinnacle moment of the christian faith jesus rising from the dead 
So their leader had died and then rose from the dead, and they're asking this question, what, what now? What's the new normal? They hit this point where they've got to find something steady. Now here's Jesus in his final moments with his disciples. This is Acts chapter 1, uh, verse 6 and on. We're going to walk through uh, the beginning of, of the book of Acts, the first few chapters of Acts. And so let's take a look at this together. Chapter 1, verse 6. Jesus with his disciples. So when they met together, they asked him, they being the disciples, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? Essentially, they figured we've been on a roller coaster ride. There's a roller coaster of hope and then doubt, and we, we think that's all over now. Essentially, things are looking up for them. Their leader has risen from the dead. Jesus, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They assumed Jesus was now about to, to set up an earthly kingdom. And then he, he answers, verse 7, he said to them, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Essentially, the Father will wrap up the affairs of this earth. Jesus is saying, look, he'll set up his kingdom on a new earth, but the specific timing hasn't been revealed yet. It's, it's, it's fixed by the Father. It's set by the Father. It's not that it's not decided yet. It's not that God the Father is still figuring this out. It's fixed, but it's hidden from you. It's not revealed to you yet. Sort of behind the veil. It's behind the curtain. You don't get to know this yet. Verse 8. But you, Jesus to the disciples, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is Soon it's going to happen. Up to this point, God's Spirit would come and empower people for a season, but not remain in them or, with, or not remain in an empowering position with them. But soon the Spirit of God would come upon them and remain in them. Jesus is saying, this is coming. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And then he says, and you will be my witnesses. So you'll be Jesus' witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. He's talking about look concentric circles of, of geography. You're in Jerusalem. First, you're going to be witnesses here. And then out to Judea, Samaria, this outer, the, the region we're in is Judea. The region above us to the north slightly is, is, is Samaria. Uh, it, that that's even an indication of that it'll be people that maybe you wouldn't ordinarily think you'd be reaching out to because the Samaritans the Samaritans were sort of seen as outsiders and so people not like you and then even to the ends of the earth you're going to be this God's spirit would would empower them to launch a movement with a huge sweeping impact and then it says in verse 9 after he said this he was taken up before their very eyes so he just sort of floats up, he, he ascends, and a cloud hid him from their sight. This is referred to as the ascension, Jesus' ascension. This marks the very end of Jesus' earthly ministry in his bodily form. And where did he go? He, gets, he, he, he slips past the clouds, and they're just looking up. Now, look at Hebrews 1, verse 3. The writer of Hebrews he writes that the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, after he accomplished his work of dying and purifying 
forgiving people through his blood shed for them. He sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he's, he goes to heaven, he ascends to heaven, he sits at the right hand of the throne of heaven. Here's what Peter said when people were questioning him. This is found in Acts chapter 5. Peter's preaching a message and he, he says, The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. Speaking to a group of Jews, Jewish leaders. He says, God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. So Jesus is in heaven now. He's sitting at the right hand. Des- that, the right hand designates the special place of honor. That's where Jesus is. So back to the disciples. They're standing on the mountainside. They just were talking with Jesus. Then he ascends before their very eyes. And then they're just looking up. Well, what would you be doing? And they're just like this. I mean, what, what would we, we'd all be just looking up, right? I mean, like, is he coming back? What's... So they've got questions. and the, Then verse 10. They're looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed stood beside them in white robes. This is verse, verse 10. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Two angels. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you've seen him go into heaven. He's, they're basically, the angels are saying, look, he's going to return. I mean, that's great news. He's going to return, but, for, but you've got the ball. Sort of like the quarterback snapped in the ball. Now, the disciples, as the church, they have the ball. They need to, they need to run with the ball. The, the angels are saying, run with it. <laughs> and they're like, oh, yeah. Their whole situation required a, a much-needed reorientation. And so that's what the angels provided. Just a reminder. And then the disciples immediately kicked it into gear and began moving forward in the direction that God had already given them. And so what I want to do this morning is talk about what did they do? What was the rhythm of their life? What was a normal rhythm that the disciples had? And actually that rhythm is what God wants in our lives as well. So let's look at this summary of what the disciples did next. First, they had to address the leadership gap. They had to address a leadership gap. Judas, the betrayer, had been one of the 12 disciples. He followed Jesus closely, uh, but his heart wasn't yielded like the other disciples were. And Satan seized on the opportunity to strike through someone so close to Jesus. So he seized on the opportunity to manipulate the situation through Judas, someone close proximity to Jesus. His heart wasn't yielded, and Judas took the bait After betraying Jesus for 30 pieces of silver, Judas was so overcome with guilt. And it says that he was overcome to the point where he committed suicide. And the disciples, they actually traced Judas' betrayal to some prophecies in the Bible. So Psalm chapter 55 and Psalm chapter 69 are some prophecies that that foretell that Jesus, that the Messiah would be betrayed. And so this whole act of treachery by Judas was predicted by David long before. And Psalm 69 actually indicated that that this betrayer would need to be replaced. And so Peter, he clues into what God was doing 
And he reminds everyone of what was said about this betrayal. So look at Acts chapter 1, verse 21. Peter gets up and he says, Therefore it's necessary to choose one of the men who had been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus went in and out among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. Somebody They needed to replace Judas with someone who... who knew Jesus closely, saw his life, part of his ministry, and I witnessed the risen Jesus. And so, verse 23, so they proposed two men. Joseph was called Barsabbas, also known as Justice, and Matthias. Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. That's a tough statement right there. To go where he belongs. It's, it's a reminder that we choose our course in life, don't we? We wrestle through eternal questions. I mean, Judas got really close to, to Jesus. He heard the same stories. He made choices. We wrestle through eternal questions and God actually makes room for the human will, we make choices. It says in verse 26, then they cast lots, like this would be like they wrote the names of these two men on a couple of rocks or a couple of stones, and they put them in a container, and the one that would come out would be God's choice for the next apostle. And it says, that's essentially, and the lot fell to Matthias, and so he was added to the 11 apostles. So now they have 12 again. We've got 12. Now, we're launching a church, not because of any betrayal, so, just so I can clarify. <laughs> Bruce has been a good, loyal man, and we've been training guys like him, and so it, it's no surprise that God called him to plant a church and said, it's time for you to go plant a church, and, and we've been able to, to affirm that and, and be, get, get behind that. So it's a very different situation here at OCC, but as we launch out a team to start a new church, these folks that are leaving have played key roles here, key roles of influence here. And we're praying that some of you will step into new roles, that this would be an opportunity where God will call people forward to train more closely, to commit more deeply, and that more people would gain influence and, and help broaden the ministry base here. Because we'll need to also address a leadership gap as these people move on. Next, the disciples did this. They walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. As we read on in the passage, we'll see this. They walked in the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus told them to wait in Jerusalem for the empowering of the Holy Spirit. Look at Acts 2, verse 1. So beginning in the next chapter, it says, When the day of Pentecost came, Pentecost was an annual Jewish festival, a feast. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together, the disciples were all together in one place. Verse 2, suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven. Okay, they're, they're together in a house. I mean, sometimes this you get really windy days up here. We get the Santa Ana winds and it really blows through Riverside or this region. It just gets really windy. And if, you're, if your window's open just a crack, it gets really loud even. Um, so they get this much, much louder experience than anything you've ever experienced. A violent wind came from heaven. The word for wind is, 
in the Greek is noe, P-N-O-E. You would, you would write it, P-N-O-E, noe, the P would be silent. The word for spirit is pneuma, P-N-E-U-M-A. So there's the same root there, okay? Suddenly a sound like the, the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. Now, I wish I could have been there for the newsreel. I mean, what a really exciting news story to report on. I mean, some visible form of the presence of God, rushing wind and fire, and then fire like separates and rests Upon each one of them. And it says in verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, God's Spirit came upon them in a mighty way, just as Jesus said would occur. Look back at Acts 1 8. This is what Jesus said would happen. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. And in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Now, Acts 1-8 helps us anchor Acts 2-4. Otherwise, we focus on, if you look at Acts 2-4 again, if we don't have the anchor of Acts 1-8, then it, it's hard to understand what's happening here in Acts 2 verse 4. We could focus on this experience and elevate this experience and seek out this type of experience detached from the purpose that Jesus gave it in Acts 1.8. See, the empowering of God's Spirit was in order to accomplish a mission to send out the church with the power of God to be witnesses in their region and beyond. So, you know, back in verse 4, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit who had come upon them and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, what were they saying in those foreign tongues? They, they, were, they were actually sharing about the wonders of God. Chapter 2, verse 11 tells us that, about that. But they were sharing about the wonders of God, but in different languages. Different languages. Not unintelligible tongues, but different languages. Why? Well, if you, if you look again at the beginning of Acts 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost came, there were people in Jerusalem who traveled there from different distances, from many different directions all around the region to celebrate an annual Jewish festival called Pentecost. Jewish history records that the Jews were dispersed throughout the region after the Assyrians and the Babylonians came and conquered the Holy Land and took, the, took siege over the land and, and, and mostly just took people captive to foreign lands. And so the Jews were dispersed and scattered throughout the whole region. And over many hundreds of years, they were raising families and new generation upon new generation of Jews living scattered in different lands. And as they were living in different lands, North Africa, Asia, they were learning a new tongue. So they had now a native tongue, but they were of Jewish descent. But here they are traveling back to Jerusalem to celebrate the day of Pentecost, a holy Jewish festival. And so maybe they came from North Africa or Asia. They had a native tongue after generations of living there. But they were there at just the right moment to hear this event and to see this event. And God had his own way to accomplish his mission to reach to the ends of the earth 
by bringing all of these people right then and there. This moment could really provide a way to carry the news and message of Jesus and the hope that was God was bringing through him to faraway lands. As those people were there, witnessed this event, and then would travel home and share about that story of what, what just happened. Because if only, if only people could hear and understand the story, but that's what God did. Through his spirit, the apostles were enabled to speak in all of these different languages. So much so that people said, hey... That's weird. I'm hearing my native tongue here for some reason right now. And so all these people are saying, hey, I know that language. That's my language. And they're all hearing the story of, of hope and redemption about the wonders of God and what God was doing to prepare people to respond to Jesus. But they were hearing it in all these different languages. Some people got up and said, these men must be drunk. And then Peter gets up and he says this. This is actually in the Bible. We're not drunk. It's only nine in the morning. And then he launches into some more prophecy about what God said was going to happen when he sends his Messiah and what he was going to do through his spirit. And, and this just continues to be the pattern of the apostles. They, they boldly, and this is the third thing we see about what the disciples did. They boldly proclaimed Jesus' resurrection to all people. They started preaching the message of Jesus to everyone. And so Peter, he gets up, Acts 2, verse 22. We'll look at from 22 on. He starts addressing the crowd. This is one of the sections of his sermon. He says, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him. As you yourselves know, this man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. You see, the, Peter said the grave couldn't hold Jesus, couldn't contain Jesus. He mightily arose because he was God. And Peter just continues and he uses more, even more familiar Old Testament scriptures and he's connecting dots about what God has said in the past and what Jesus has fulfilled in the present. And he's just backing it all up with Scripture. And, and what happened was it hit like a load of bricks right at people's heart. Look at the response. Verse 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And this is what happens. This is what happens sometimes here or in or in conversation with a person that doesn't know Christ personally with someone who does know Christ personally you have these conversations and people go what do we, what do I do it's like there's this moment of clarity that God is speaking to us and that he wants us to respond to him and when God draws people in and God's spirit is moving among them and the message of Jesus is declared clearly this is the effect what do I need to do? The whole story of redemption is so powerful. It's what we need. It's, it's, as we look around the world, it speaks to our human condition. I mean, read the papers. Look at the news. Look in the mirror. Maybe you're asking the same question. They were asking, what should I do? 
my life? What should I do in response to Jesus? I felt bad as a kid when I sinned. Not horrible. But I felt bad. But I got over it. I'd sinned some more. and I, I, I felt bad about that too. Not horrible. I got over it. And kind of got used to that pattern of... And then I became a teenager and I felt guilty. But I even got over that. Maybe you can identify. You sleep, you sleep on it, you know. You feel a little better the next morning, the next day. But it wasn't until I was 18 that I became desperate to get this question answered. What shall I do? What am I going to do? It wasn't until I was 18 that God really confronted me at a heart level to where I, I just broke down and said, I, I can't keep doing this. I need an answer. I need to, and, and really for me, it was, I was on the run. I was just ready to yield at that point. And so Peter, he sees the opportunity to tell, to answer this question to the whole crowd. So he turns to the crowd. Verse 38, Peter replied to the question, brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, repent. Which means stop running this other direction and turn around and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. This isn't like a one-on-one conversation. This is Peter to a huge crowd of people. He says, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You can receive Christ, and when you do, the Holy Spirit moves in as well. This, this power that is being expressed and working through the apostles could come to, to average Joe. Then the promise, he says, verse 39, is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. See, this is the message that they proclaimed, and it's our message to share. Jesus is our hope. He is the only hope for the whole world. And if you're here and you're, you're you don't have that hope and you want to know more, please let us know. On the back of this connection card, it would be our privilege to share with you more about how to connect with Jesus. On the back of this, there's a place where it says, contact me about clarifying what it means to be a Christian, or even committing to Jesus for the first time. If that's where you're at, we'd love to know that. and We will follow up with you. Look at verse 40. It goes on and it says, With many other words, he, Peter, warned them and he pleaded with them, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Don't keep running that direction. Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Powerful work of God in that moment. It had a huge effect. You know, it still has a huge effect. And then from there, it just took off. Acts 1.8, if you, if you were to look at your listening guide and see what Acts 1.8 says in the very beginning, you'll re- you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. That happened. So Acts chapter 3 through Acts chapter 8 is really the expansion of the ministry of the apostles toward the Jews that's what Acts 3 through 8 really is. It's you see the working of God as the apostles were witnesses to, Jeru- to the Jews in Jerusalem. And you just read about the history in Acts 3 through chapter 8. And then from Acts chapter 9 through the end of Acts is really the growth and the expansion of the church to the Gentile world. You start seeing how it works its way out from Jerusalem to, to all of Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. You start seeing that that movement of the gospel. And what we're going to do next week is we're going to begin a, a series looking at 
letters written from this time period, from the history of what we're reading in the book of Acts. So I hope you'll join us as we look at the a study on the New Testament letters. Now, one other piece regarding what the disciples did. They did this also. They gathered to celebrate as a large group, much like we're doing right now. But they also shared life together in homes. So they gathered as a large group to celebrate, to worship, to get instruction, to get perspective, to connect dots together, large group, and then they shared life together in homes. Take a look at Acts 2, verse 42 through 47. You see this pattern. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. This is a description of, of the early church. And to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods. They gave to anyone as he had need. They, they, had a, they had a concern not just for their own lives, but they were putting the interests of others ahead of their own. When needs came up, they had resources available. There was margin or just they would sacrifice in order to meet needs for the work that needed to be done to care for one another. It, it's not that there was this uh, flatline socioeconomic. That's not what this is describing. What it is is they were turning themselves inside out and being sacrificial to, to care for people. And difficult times hit the church at this point. Christians were being persecuted. People were going without. And as they looked around and they saw, well, this person is really under pressure. People in the church were just extremely generous and sacrificial to care for one another. Verse 46, it goes on and it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. So large groups and then in homes and smaller groups. Ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And you can read more about this. It's a pretty exciting story of the movement of Christianity from really the resurrection on. But in the first century, the people who were questioning this and the people looking on were asking a question. They were like, is this thing just going to die down or is this movement for real? In fact, one of the Jewish leaders named Gamaliel, he was, he was a Jewish leader, and he, he got up at one point when some of the religious leaders were putting pressure on the Christians and trying to silence the movement of Christianity and the expansion and growth of Christianity because the religious leaders were losing their grip on the masses. They were losing their grip on the crowds as the Christians had something very compelling to share. So the religious leaders were trying to hold it down and threatening the Christians to silent, to be silent. And one man, one of the religious leaders, very well-respected man named Gamaliel, he gets up and he says to everyone, look, we've seen all sorts of movements. They all die down eventually. Let's just see what happens with this one. But he gets up and he, and he actually gives an example, some examples. Here's one of them. He gives the example of a failed movement from the past. This is Acts chapter 5, verse 37. He tells the religious leaders, look, Judas the Galilean, remember him? He was another revolutionary. He appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all of his followers were scattered. So he's saying, look, let's just let the, let's see if this thing even lasts a few weeks, a few months. This has happened before. Let's not freak out. Verse 38. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go. For if their purpose or activity is of human 
origin, it will fail. But, verse 39, but if it is from God, you'll not be able to stop these men. You'll only find yourselves fighting against God. That's pretty powerful and insightful from Gamaliel. If this is from God, you won't be able to slow this movement down. You'll fight against God himself. And he was right. And God pushed the movement forward. And the disciples, they took the ball and they ran it down the field. And the movement continued. It didn't just die with them. As, as they died and they all eventually died, most were martyred. It's been passed on to us. After generation, generation, it's been passed on to us. Now we have the ball. And the question is, what do we do now with it? Well, we keep, we keep running the pattern and the plays that we saw them do. And so here's our strategy, a real summary of our strategy. On the back side, you'll see these, these steps that lay out our strategy. Attend. These, we want you to continually walk forward in this way. Attend the worship service. This is a good rhythm to have in your life. Just attend. That's like when they gather together in the temple courts as a large group. Or join. Join a group to be specific. You can jot, join a group in one of those. Meaning they met in homes. Large group, small group, in order to share life with one another. They commit to the body. You see the pattern of commitment to one another. And if you're interested in that, we have a preview class coming up. But that's that would lay out why we do what we do. What are we about? What are our values? Fourth, volunteer on a team. Be a part of helping move the ministry forward. Play a role here. Volunteer. And then five, invest in and invite others. Invest your life in people. Invite people to, to be a part of this. I hope God has spoken to you about something this morning. Along the lines of, what, what is it you want me to do, God? What is the normal rhythm of life as a Christ follower? Or if you're considering becoming a Christ follower, I hope this has been helpful to understand. What does it look like uh, to activate your faith? My next step today is, is, is a place on the bottom of the listening guide where you can get real specific on your response. So here's four different ways you could respond Sign up for next week's preview class. You would sign up on the back of the connection card. Sign up to learn more about groups, again, on the back of the connection card. Sign up to volunteer on a team. And then last, invite someone to join with you next Sunday as we as we kick off this series of Lives and Letters. So I hope you'll uh, come, bring a friend. We'll have plenty of donuts, and uh, we'll enjoy that together. So let's pray. Father, thank you for the movement we're able to be part of. Nothing can stop the advance of your church. As Gamaliel, that religious leader, declared, if this is from God, nothing we do can stop it. And so, Lord, I pray that we would see ourselves at this time, Lord, in a, in a, in a crucial uh, moment in history, Lord, where we could just run after all sorts of things that this world says, uh, matters. But Lord, I pray that we would be people who who run in the right direction, that we would find healthy rhythms of living out our faith. As we see evidenced in the examples of these earliest um, Christians, Lord, may, may these patterns, Lord, um, I mean, hopefully we just can see, wow, the, the things we do in our participation in the present aren't radical. Uh, we didn't invent these things, but Lord, these things are a part of the tradition of living out our faith. And so thank you for those early examples 
And for those people that began those patterns, Lord, we thank you for using their examples to spur us on, to challenge us. Uh, because in all of our busyness, it's very, very easy to just get running in different directions and, and then to realize we're missing some of the main things. And so, Father, I pray that you'd stir our hearts, Lord, to action this morning. That we would be people who say yes to you and, and who 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 anchor themselves in, in practices that are uh, fueled by the power of your spirit and are having an impact far beyond here and now and even our lives. And so, God, it's a privilege to join with you in carrying the movement of Christianity forward. Would you help us? We need your help. We need your power. We need clarity. We need uh, energy and strength, Father, when life gets um, exhausting. So we, we pray for these things. We ask you for help in all these areas. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We pray you've been encouraged by the message and equipped to move forward in obedience to God's word. Join us again next week for another Orange Crest Community Church podcast.